Welcome to the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger Howdy beans, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nerd Stagger Podcast. I'm your host, Luke the Human. Hope you're doing well, hope you're all good, as per usual, during these cold winter months. Uh, before we get into today's topic, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping, because I like to keep my house clean. So make sure that you follow me on Twitter, or Twitter, now known as X, at the Nerd Stagic underscore pod, to be kept up to date on everything and anything that I'll be doing for the rest of season two all the way to season three next year um also if you're listening on youtube don't forget to like comment and subscribe and all that jazz and if you are subscribed don't forget to hit that notification bell in the top corner to be notified whenever i release a new episode every single sunday on the channel so uh first of all before i get in once again i want to wish everybody a very merry christmas and hopefully it's going wonderful so far um, also, I want to ba- welcome back everybody to the final Doctor Who movie review that I will be doing for um, season two. There are a few more. Um, well, this is the final sort of movie from Doctor Who, uh, but there are two more sort of TV miniature, miniature films, uh, TV movies that I want to um look at in into season three one's a bit silly one's a bit more serious talking about sort of the history of, of doctor Who. Uh, but i'll talk more about them at the end uh, of the review um but this is the final doctor who movie for anybody that doesn't know i decided to go back and to watch the original doctor Who movies from the 60s with peter cushing and they were absolutely incredible um as a recording this i actually haven't released um Dalek uh, 2188 D, I think it's called. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, hold on, I have it here. It was Doctor Who Invasion Earth, uh, Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD, and the one before that was Doctor Who and the Daleks. Absolutely had a joy with both of them, but as I mentioned, as recording this, that last one, Invasion of Earth, hasn't uh, been released yet so i really really hope people enjoy that also by the time this is released uh, the 60th anniversary specials have already sort of come and gone and um more than likely i loved and enjoyed them as well so i won't be talking about them here because i'm currently in the past uh, and you'll listen to this in the future so i'm sure i love them i'm sure i was full of tears and crying and i'm i covered them all and everybody really liked the liked them and enjoyed them so fingers crossed uh but today currently it's the 4th of november so we're in the past and we're talking about the doctor who movie from 1996 featuring paul mcgann as the doctor um i am so excited for this one i really really have like i said i've never watched this film i've been meaning to for years but never got around to it um, it wasn't until I started listening to uh, Big Finish and doing this podcast that I really th- figured, yeah, I've I've got um, I've got to listen to, I've got to watch this movie, I've got to learn more about Paul McGann because um, Big Finish, I've spoken to this before, and I won't go too much in depth because Big Finish is huge and it take me forever to to really properly get into it. Uh, if anybody that doesn't know, Big Finish started in the late nineties, and it is a company that do audio plays for Doctor Who. They do other things as well, but primarily Doctor Who. And um, 
about a year or two ago, I started sitting down and listening to a lot of the sort of audio dramas here and there because they are quite expensive. So it's wherever I can get them here and there, other friends borrow me them or if I can find them in my local library and that sort of thing. Um, and I remember stumbling upon Paul McGann and his voice is just like silk. It is like butter. He has an absolutely gorgeous voice, fantastic for audio dramas. And the way he plays his doctor and the way his doctor is in those dramas, um, I really wanted to experience firsthand in the film. And that's kind of what me what got me into wanting to watch the film in the first place. But again, I put it off for a long, 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 long time until uh, I started listening to the Big Finish monthly range. This was a range that they did um, starting from like nine, the 1999. Uh, and they did it all the way up until uh, I think it was 2000. And, oh, actually, no, I think they're still doing it. I'm not currently on Goodreads. So the monthly range is still going on. Um, so far, there are oh, 275. The last one was in 2021. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten that far. I am literally, I think, 16 audio dramas in. Uh, the last one that I listened to was actually a no, book 15, um, audio 15, which was Doctor Who, The Mutant Phase, which was part of the Dalek Invage, the Empire Dalek series uh, with the fifth Doctor, uh, Peter Davison. That'd be fantastic. And then when I got to the audio drama uh, book 16, which was Doctor Who Storm Morning, it revolves around Paul McGann. And then what after that, you've got sort of, of um, Orion, which is Paul McGann, The Stones of Venice, Paul McGann, uh, Minute in Hell, Paul McGann. So I was just like, I can't carry on without first going back and listening and to and watching the Doctor Who movie and that's kind of what started it here for the podcast as well with the fact of well if I'm going to look back on Paul McGann why not go further why not actually look at the 60s and uh, how they were perceived and how uh, what kind of films they have because I've never watched those either and again telling you now in the future I really really enjoyed them I had a fantastic time with both of them um, so this is where it all basically began really was my sort of um, shall we say, uh, journey through uh, Big Finish. So going back to the actual movie. So this is the cast that we have. So we've got Paul McGann as the uh, eighth Doctor. And then we have Eric Roberts as the Master. Daphne Ashbrook as Dr. Grace Holloway. Uh, Sylvester McCoy reprises his role as the seventh Doctor. Yi G. Tussaud as Chang Lee. John Novak as Salinger, Michael David Simmons as Swift, and Kathleen Lon Hagquist as Wheeler. So that is your cast for the movie. Go back to me notes. Um, I was going to do this point where I do the voiceover. Usually I do it on IMDb, but um, they kind of failed me today because IMDb, like, they have a voiceover. Like, they had, like, a summary of the film, but it wasn't a summary. It was, like, incredibly lengthy, and it was full of spoilers. And I didn't want to read it for myself because, again, I didn't want it to spoil it for me. And also, I didn't want to read it out loud because I didn't want to spoil it for any of you beans that haven't watched this film who are basically listening to my review and then are going to watch the film. So I thought, you know what? I'll search around and I actually found one on the Doc 2 Wiki. So thank you very much for the Doc 2 Wiki for pulling, um, helping me out here. So I've got a bit of a cold. I don't know if you can tell. That's why I, I have that sexy phlegm going on. And, um, so the, the movie voice might not sound that great, but I'm going to give it a go. So breathing. Okay. 
Whilst returning the Master's remains to their home planet of Gallifrey, the Doctor crash lands the TARDIS on Earth in San Francisco in the year 1999. Gunned down by a street gang, the Doctor is rushed to hospital, where extraordinary surgery by Dr. Grace Holloway triggers a regeneration into the Eighth Doctor. Meanwhile, the Master has taken over the body of a paramedic and infiltrated the TARDIS, which he plans to use in his latest scheme to take over the Doctor's new body and destroy the world. That's pretty, pretty good. That's kind of better than IMDb, to be honest. So once again, thank you to the Doctor Who Wiki um, for helping me there. So this is the part of the introduction where I'm going to talk about the development and the production of the film. Uh, there was a lot, go through my notes, there was a lot that actually went into uh, making this movie. Um, and so much, like there's a lot to talk about. So I'm just going to get into it. So this is going to be pretty bulky, quite long. So I recommend sit back, chill out, and just take it all in because there's a lot. All right. So the film was the first attempt to revive Doctor Who following his suspension in 1986. It was intended as a backdoor pilot for a new American-produced Doctor Who TV series. It introduced Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor in his only televised appearance as the character until the Night of the Doctor in 2013. Though McGann has betrayed the Doctor also in various audio productions, it also marks the final appearance of Sylvester McCoy as the Seventh Doctor until his cameo appearance in The Power of the Doctor in 2022. The only appearance of Daphne Ashbrook as companion Grace Holloway and the only on-screen appearance of Eric Roberts' um, version of the master although he has since reprised the role in audio dramas for big fish productions although a rating success in the united kingdom the film did not fare well on american television and no series was commissioned the series was later relaunched on the bbc in 2005 the only doctor who episodes between the film and the new series were a 1999 spoof, The Doctor, Doctor Who and The Curse of the Fatal Death, and a 2003 animation, Scream of Shakala. Um, although the film was primarily produced by different people than the 1963 to 1989 series and intended for an American audience, the producers chose not to produce a reimagining or reboot of the series, but rather a continuation of the original narrative and the production was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, and was the only episode of Doctor Who to ever be filmed in Canada. Right, so, this is the pre-production. Right, so, producer Philip Siegel had been trying for some years to launch a new American-produced series of Doctor Who, but the Fox Network, the only American network that showed any interest, was only prepared to commit us to a single uh, single television movie. It was hoped that, should the television movie be successful, Fox might be persuaded to reconsider a series. However, the television movie's ratings performance in America was not strong enough to hold Fox's interest. The production budget for the movie, also revealed in the book Doctor Who Regeneration, was $500 million, and the Fox network spending of $2.5 million, British uh, the BBC contributing £300,000 and the remaining $2.2 million split between the BBC and Universal Television. So that was the pre-production. Um, as for the casting, so casting sessions took place in March 1994. Actors who auditioned for the role included Liam Cunningham, Mark McGann, um, Robert Lindsay, Tim McKernally, Nathaniel Parker, Peter Woodward, John... Sessions, Anthony Head and 
Tony Slattery. Paul McGann was first considered around the time of these auditions, but did but did not formally audition for the part until later. Among the actors who were invited to audition for the role of the Doctor, but decided the opportunity, um, but declined the opportunity, were Christopher Eccleston and Peter Capaldi. Eccleston and Capaldi later played the ninth and twelfth incarnations of the Doctor, respectfully, in the revived series of Doctor Who, which began in 2005. Eccleston turned down the offer to audition for the TV movie because at the time he felt he did not want to be associated with a big name so early in his career. Capaldi declined because he felt it was unlikely that he would be given the part. Um, of those actors who originally auditioned for the role of the Doctor, a number great and, and uh, a number of guest starred in the series when it returned from 2005. For example, Anthony Heard, uh, guest starring in Series Two, Episode School Reunion, as Mr. Finch. Um, Tint McKernany, guest starred in the Series Four episode of Planet of the Ood, as Kilman um, Halpin, Liam Cunningham, guest starring in C- Series 7, episode Cold War, as Captain Sulukov, uh, and John Sessions, guest starring in the Series 8 episode Mummy on the Orient Express, as the voice of the homicidal computer Gus. Which I found that quite fascinating through my research, that Peter Capaldi and Chris Ruckston were sort of approached to play uh, the TV Doctor, and I'm kind of glad they didn't, because... I'm glad they managed to get their own series because they both did incredible. Um, I love Peter Capaldi and I love Christopher Eccleston. They did a fantastic job and I'm glad that they didn't do the movie because that's all we would have had of them. Um, because again, I don't feel matter, it doesn't matter what actor you would have got in this role. I don't think it would have um, portrayed well in America. It probably nowadays, but back during the 90s, I think it was still very sort of British and uh, sort of a show and going over to America. I'm not surprised it didn't do very well. But again... It fascinated me from my research to find that Chris Eccleston and Peter Capaldi were both sort of um, like they came, people came forward to them and asked them, and they both declined it because they just either didn't feel like they get the role or they didn't feel like they were like um, ready for the role. You know, they didn't want a big name too early on in their careers. But you know, we got them as the doctors eventually, so not so bad. As for the production, the movie was filmed on 35mm film in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, the first time any Doctor Who story had been filmed in North America. In the 2005 Doctor Who Confidential episode, We're Science, and on the DVD commentary, uh, Sister McCoy reveals that during the sequence where he locks the casket with his uh, sonic screwdriver, he held the tool pointing the wrong way around, although in the original series it is seen being used both ways. The sonic screwdriver was blurred in post-production uh, to conceal the error. Uh, pre-production, the opening pre, uh, pre-credit sequence w- went through a number of modifications with several different voiceover recorded. At one stage, the voiceover was to be made by the old master, played by Gordon Tipple. In the end, this was not used. Tipple is still credited as the old master, though in the final edit, his appearance is very brief, stationary and mute. Had the original pre-titles voiceover been used, it would have been unclear what incarnation of the Doctor um, Sylvester McCoy portrays in the movie, as he is simply credited as the old Doctor. Only the rewritten narration, as read by Paul McGann, makes his number of regenerations clear. The sequence of the TARDIS flying through the time vortex was briefly reused in the opening of Doctor and the Curse of Fatal Death, as the Master observes Ronan Ronan Atkinson's Doctor. 
Instead of designing a new Doctor Who logo for this film, it was decided instead to use a modified version of the logo that was used for the John Pertwee era of the original series, with the exception of the final season. This logo being the last logo used on an official Doctor Who broadcast before the 2005 revival was until... 2018 used by the BBC for the mo- for the most Doctor Who merchandise relating to the first eight Doctors in 2018. Efforts were made to make the show's merchandise more uniform and so most items of merchandise began to use a logo designed for Jodie Whittaker's time as the Doctor, abandoning the movie logo for the first time in 22 years. John Debney was commissioned to write the score for this film and intended to replace Ron Grainer's original theme with a new composition. Ultimately, Debony did in fact use an arrangement of Grainer's music for the theme, although Grainer goes uncredited. Uh, and that is the all everything I could find on the production of this movie. As I said, a lot went into this film. Um, they were doing it for a very, very long time. And... It, it, it sounded like it was a bit of a nightmare to actually get around to be, to being made, um, but I, I am very very excited and looking forward to this one. Uh, I can I have a lot of friends who are deep Paul McGann fans from this movie as well as what he went on to do in Big Finish, um, and I, again even though it's funny even though I've never seen this film every time Paul McGann has shown up in live action I've always smiled. It's always been one of those moments where I've just been like a Cheshire grin because he just has such a presence and he looks so. He does look like the Doctor. You know, he's like, when you look at Tom Baker, you're like, yep, yeah, that guy's the Doctor. It's, you look at Paul McGann, you think, yeah, that is the Doctor. That is what I imagine the Doctor to look like. You know? Um, and I'm really excited for this one. I do apologise if I stumbled through the pre-production um, side of it. But like I said, there was a lot to talk about. And I just wanted to get through it as best as I can. So I try my best not to make any mistakes. But... That is the introduction. I'm going to go off now and watch this movie. I am so, so excited. And I've been told apparently this movie is set at Christmas. So uh, I think it was quite clever of me to to do this for Christmas um, because I didn't know going in. I was told by a friend uh, about a day or two ago when I told her I was going to watch this film. I was like, well, bloody hell, what timing? So Christmas Doctor at Christmas time. During, you know, Christmas, Christmas episode, Bish Bash Bosh. Let's get into it, shall we? Right, so I've just finished watching the Doctor Who, uh, the movie. Uh, Before I begin, though, I just want to say that I am recording this on the 5th of November, uh, which is Guy Fawkes Night, if you live in the UK, which means there will be fireworks. So if you hear uh, explosions in the background, I'm not under attack. Don't worry, there's fireworks going off. My neighbours are having bonfires. That's why you hear explosions. Right, so I just want to uh, state that first. Um, But as I said... I've just finished watching the movie and honestly, it was absolutely fantastic. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And I knew I would enjoy it because I love Doctor Who. But at the same stage, I'm kind of, even though how much I loved it, and I'll go into full details in a minute, but how much I loved it and how much I love Paul McGann as the Doctor, and I do think that we were robbed, um, I'm glad it failed. And the reason being is because if it has succeeded... The revival, which is the reason why I got into Doctor Who, and a lot of people my age got into Doctor Who, um, would have been completely different. Doctor Who would have been so different today 
if it had led been allowed to carry on you know from this film because the whole idea of this movie as i said in the introduction was that they wanted to americanize uh doctor who for the american audience they wanted to make it more appealing to them because they believed that the british audience wasn't interested anymore so they wanted to appeal to a larger market which was america at the time um and they made a lot of changes with the whole idea with this story about the doctor being half human which again i'll get into i, I didn't really much like it but um and, and that sort of thing it's like they they changed too much and i feel like if it had succeeded and we'd even though we'd gotten more paul mcgann which is again i would would love i still feel like um i'm glad it failed because we got the revival and we got the doctor that we have today and it's as big as successful as it is today because it was allowed to basically uh be its own thing but also follow um the old canon as we know from sort of crystal eccleston david tennant uh matt smith and so on and so forth um, but I did. I absolutely enjoyed this movie. I had an absolute ball. Uh, but I will, you know, state that we were robbed. We were robbed. God damn it. I put an exclamation mark in my, in my notes. I've got to shout it. Robbed. Um, of Paul McGann as the Doctor. He is simply incredible, which I knew he was because, again, I have listened to him in uh, Big Finish Audio. I know how he carries himself with his voice, how he, um, how he is, his mannerisms on through audio how it portrays i can just see him one of the wonderful things about audio and the way um paul mcgann does audio is the fact of he because of his voice has been so iconic and so incredible and he has such a smooth silky voice that he the way he conveys and carries his voice you can see uh, the doc and it translate uh, translates well to the mind and it's funny because how i imagined him running around her going on adventures in big finish was very close to how he portrays in live action uh which i found quite um odd but also very doctor whoey at the same stage i was just able to imagine how th this doctor looks and feels and then to watch the movie and be like yeah that's exactly how i imagined it quite close you know um the way he carries himself uh, the way he has his mannerisms his voice everything just screams the doctor uh this doctor makes you feel like a child again because he's very he's an adult but he's very child childistic he enjoys everything everything is fascinating everything is wonderful he loves humans he loves the, uh, what we do who we are all our little quirks um he is like tom baker the epitome of what if you was the doctor would to be real if the tardis was to appear in my garden i would expect to probably see tom baker or paul mcgann walk out of the tardis i'd love any of the other doctors but you know, those are the ones that you just expect. But like, yeah, they just feel naturally 100% as the Doctor. To me, anyway, obviously, other people who are fans of Doctor will want to see other Doctors walk out of that TARDIS. Um, like, again, I'd love to David Tennant to walk out of that TARDIS. You know, even Peter Capaldi, I absolutely loved him. I thought he was incredible. Um, but everything that's about Paul McGann's Doctor just screams, I am the Doctor. That's who I am. And you believe it straight away. Oh, shall we say I believed it straight away. Even though at the beginning of the movie he has a bit of amnesia. And we get to see Sylvester McCoy at the beginning of this film. Um, very much so, as soon as McCoy goes and you get Paul McGann comes into it. There's that, There's none of that sort of... Um, there's no There's no disconnect. It's straight away. It's a fact of, even though he's got amnesia... Straight away, like, yes, he feels like the Doctor. He looks like the Doctor. Uh, his outfit that he wears, that he puts together himself, 
is very Doctor Who-ish and actually suits Paul McGann as a person. Not, well, not as a doctor, but as an actor, as who he is as a person, the way he looks, the way he feels and the way he sounds. His outfit speaks perfectly to them. The art, the art department and costume did a fantastic job with his um, costume to really make him feel like the doctor, not the doctor, the general article, you know, the doctor, you know. Which I loved. Also, he carries around jelly babies with him. Um, I don't know if this was an idea by the writers to kind of like, as a callback, to be like, oh, we know Tom Baker, he was one of the sort of most well known uh, doctors in America at the time. And he was, uh, it was maybe it was a callback to that, or maybe this doctor also liked to carry jelly babies around. It is also. No, very, very uh, possible. But I just love, again, how he carries jelly babies. Like, would you like a jelly baby? And I loved it because, again, it calls back to my favourite classic um, Doctor, which is Tom Baker. So it, I was loving that. Um, and it sort of reminded me of a, a jelly baby story that I have. I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but I will make it quick. Um, so I'm 25 now, so it's got to be a good couple of years ago. I went to a sort of gaming, uh, gaming convention. Um, I think it was the Gadget Show um, here in the Midlands. And as I was walking around, there was a guy dressed as uh, Tom Baker's The Doctor. And this guy, when I say he was dressed like his cosplay was 100% accurate, he had everything, right? From his feet to his head, he had the scarf, he had the jacket, he had the pins, he had everything. It was it was a flawless cosplay, right? Generally one to be proud of. And um, took a picture of him. Had a little bit of a chat. We reminisced being, uh, you know, love of, of Doctor Who and Tom Baker. And before we got to that, he, uh, as soon as I walked up to him, I said, oh, my God, can I have a picture? And he was like, oh, certainly. You know, as in character as, uh, as Tom Baker. Straight away, right, one of his first things after he said that was like, would you like a jelly baby? And me, literally, without skipping a beat, I did not blink. I did not question it. I went. Most definitely. And I launched right in that bag and I pulled out a jelly baby. I think it was a, a lime or maybe a black currant. Um, and it didn't sort of come to my mind until I, I got home that day. I was just like, I just took candy off a stranger because he was dressed as the doctor. And I didn't question it because it was Tom Baker. I was just like, yeah, you know, if the doctor offers you, especially if he's dressed as Tom Baker, <laughs> a jelly baby, you, you, you're going to take it. You know, so you know, if you ever want to kidnap me, just dress as Tom Baker and give me a jelly baby, and I'm yours. You know, basically. Um, but that's my, my that's my jelly baby story. Uh, it, but it it was it was a good time, we had a fantastic time at the, at the convention. But that one moment didn't didn't occur to me till I got home. I was like, I just took candy from a stranger because he was dressed as the Doctor. I didn't question it. Um, I don't even know what happened to that photo. I think my friend still has it. Um, but it was a incredible cosplay but i just wanted to share uh that jelly baby story uh with you i love jelly babies anyway it's one of my favorite sweets um i always have jelly babies i love them um if you live in america you've never had a jelly baby i recommend coming to the uk and having jelly babies they're gorgeous anyway moving on <laughs> um nothing i wanted to mention uh, i didn't like the idea of an americanized doctor who show um it's like an american james bond it just wouldn't work and doesn't work you know james bond and the doctor are iconically british they have to be british they have to be played by a british actor you know that that's just the way so going back to what i said at the beginning was the fact of i'm glad that the show didn't work because 
trying to make it Americanized, and if they had carried on and kept trying to make like a series that was more American focused, um, yeah, maybe like go to America every now and then, but having American companions and having always things happening in America, I don't know if that's what they would have done, but I don't feel like it would have worked. And I feel like even though Paul McGann is an incredible doctor, I feel like if the movie did succeed and they did make a show out of it, like they wanted to, I don't think it would have lasted very long because people would have wanted that Britishness back. Because that's that's another thing that makes Doctor Who so... What makes it work, really, makes it tick, is because how British it is. And I spoke to a lot of American friends of mine. Is one of the reasons why they love Doctor Who so much is because how British it is. It is quintessential um, British, and it will always be. You know, So I didn't like the Americanized version of it, um, because it doesn't work, but I like it for a movie. You know, it, it it's fine. You know, as an experiment, as trying something new, it works fine. But I just wanted again just to to mention that. Um, I love the look of the TARDIS. It's like gothic technical, techno gothic. You know, I'm coining that phrase if it, the phrase or has not been coined yet. It's very techno gothic. Um, when you first see it, it feels. Uh, like steampunk it feels mechanical but you have um very much like hogwarts sort of old-fashioned castle um art decor uh where you've got bits of stone and masonry and big wooden doors and there's books everywhere and uh, the column like the actual console it fits like perfectly paul mcgann's doctor not just the way he dresses but the way his doctor is and obviously from listen to the big finish the way his doctor uh, acts he, he very much acts like a sort of victorian georgian sort of doctor is the best way i can explain it um if you're a fan of ghosts think of thomas thorne from ghosts um he that sort of thing the way he carries himself not he doesn't spurt poetry all the time and isn't obsessed with with a one woman. Um, not that side of Thomas Thorne, but he does carry himself very much kind of like the Victorian sort of Georgian uh, man at the time, really. And he's very uh, full of uh, charismatic and charming and wonderful, but also he's very old-fashioned. And this TARDIS controller really suits him. And just the whole gothic style of it, I love. It's like... Um, old-fashioned meets high-tech meets like classic it's a it's a benage a of so much stuff that just works so well that i just i loved i just wanted to spend time walking around this uh this tardis walking around the control room and to see every little bit of detail and, and that sort of thing also this tardis because you see um Sylvester mccoy uh him in it first before obviously he regenerates into paul mcgann and it suits McCoy as well. And it's a shame that we didn't get another season uh, to kind of see uh, Sylvester McCoy in this TARDIS, to run around and go on adventures in this TARDIS, because I think, again, it it suits his Doctor as well, very, very perfectly. Um, but yeah, I love the feel of the TARDIS in this one, uh, especially the control room and how it all looks. It, I loved it. Um, Eric Roberts as the sort of master works really really well yes he's American but the master is only borrowing the body so it makes sense and it works uh, Eric Roberts I've only really the only real film I can think of I know him from that from memory is National Security with um, oh what's his name now ah oh, he had a TV show he, he, he was in uh, Bad Boys with Will Smith Martin Lawrence 
National Security with with Martin Lawrence. Um, that's the only movie I can think Eric Roberts is from. I can't think of any other film off the top of my head. But he plays a really, really good master. He's a lot of fun. He's a good actor anyway. Um, but again, him being American, eh. But it makes sense in this story because the master in this film it sets up that the the master was killed on Scarrow by the Daleks. His body was destroyed, and that uh, the master's last wishes was for the Doctor to take his ashes back to Gallifrey. And we've been doing so. Um, hijinks ensues. The master, you know, it was all part of his plan. He escapes and he finds himself trying to find his way to the doctor's body but the doctor uh, is taken elsewhere because the doctor gets shot like the doctor gets shot the seventh doctor Cecil McCoy gets shot in the in the in the shoulder and in the leg and we've been trying to save his life he accidentally gets um he, he dies and he regenerates into Paul McGann. Um, so while he's off doing that, the master gets lost and ends up going into a human body and is why we have Eric Roberts as the master in this one. But he does a really, really good job and I, I like his portrayal of the master here. Um, Daphne Ashbrook as Dr. Grace Holloway, uh, the doctor's new companion for the movie. Sadly, she doesn't stick to the very, to, she doesn't stick around um, after she doesn't go on adventures with him. Um, but she's a lot of fun and she really matches the Doctor's joy for life, especially this Doctor, um, specifically Paul McGann's Doctor, his love of life and his love of everything and the little things. He's very childish in in a way. Um, he's like a newborn baby because in a way he is because he, he loses all his memories and he gets all his memories back. And uh, it's... Very childish, very childish, but in a good way, in the, in the doctory sort of way. Um, so Grace Holloway, uh, her sort of, as a new companion, works really, really well. Um, they go a bit hardcore with the lore, um, which diehard fans, like myself, uh, would appreciate. And anybody who's watched this film, you know, you can appreciate this. But again, I can understand as to why this movie didn't work in America. Because, like, even though I haven't watched a lot of the classic Who, I've watched enough episodes where I can kind of point certain things like i'm sure if i watched all of the classic who that i would notice a lot more easter eggs and i'd lo- notice a lot more things in the background or i would understand probably better certain things the doctor says um but i feel like with my knowledge of doctor who and, and the things that i've seen and the big finish audios and that sort of thing that i can appreciate this movie for what it is and again if you grew up with this show and then you watch this movie you would appreciate it too but because this movie was made for an American audience, uh, primarily, but also having sort of the Doctor Who lore that's like building off that, I can understand why it doesn't work. Because unless you was again hardcore Doctor Who fan that lived in America, you would not understand a lot of things that, that goes on in this. And again, I can another reason why I can understand why it didn't work because I could imagine a lot of people watching this going, "I'm confused. I don't get it." Which again, I understand. Which, again, as I said, I've got no issue with it failing, even though I love it and I love Paul McGann. I, I can respect and understand why it failed, and I'm glad it did because we got the revival. Um, I know I'm just rehashing myself here, but um, but even so, um, you know, they still change things. Like, for example, I wasn't keen on the change to the law of the Doctor being half-human. But in this movie, they decided to change him. That they they decided to make him half human, which again I didn't like. Um, and the reason I didn't like is because the reason what makes the Doctor as a character great is simply the fact of he's an alien, right? But he's it's not just that he's an alien; 
He's special. For example, he has two hearts, which means he loves and cares more than the average person. He has more heart. He has more love. He has more empathy and care for all things, not just humanity, but all life in the universe, right? He's given a screwdriver to fix things. He's given a, a, a time machine to go back in, forwards and backwards in time to observe and to um, basically uh, help anybody who needs him or her through time and space. He's given, the Doctor is given the tools as a character, but also um, physical tools, not just hearts, but screwdriver, TARDIS. Everything that the Doctor is, is what makes the Doctor great. You know what I mean? And then making the Doctor half human, I don't know, takes away from that. Even Again, Paul McGann does a fantastic job, but trying to make Paul McGann half human, to me, makes no sense. Because that gets rid of the whole idea of he is an observer. He is a watcher. He has two hearts for a reason because he has double the empathy, double the love, double the care. He, you know, And when you make him half human, it's the fact of you ground him too much. The Doctor should never be grounded. The Doctor is, is a live wire. He should be allowed, like a peacock, to spread his, spread his or her wings, shall we, their wings, um, and fly and flutter and, and to do whatever it is that they want. And the Doctor does multiple times, all the time, all day, every day, um, 24-7. And when you try to ground the Doctor when make them half human, like, for example, um, I, I can't, oh God, I feel bad now because I can't remember the name, but one of the last ever episodes where you see Rose, you, you have the, the Doctor that we know, uh, David Tennant's Doctor, and then you have the other David Tennant Doctor, but that Doctor only has one heart, so that Doctor will die and grow old. And that doctor then goes off with Rose, and then they have they grow old together, I would imagine, and, and live a life, and probably have kids, and X, Y, and Z. Um, and that works for that story, because he he that version is a clone of the Doctor um, from human DNA, so it makes sense that he would only have one heart. So for that, it makes perfect sense. But then making the Doctor half human to me, it does make sense. And again, takes away from what makes the Doctor the Doctor. What makes the Doctor so great and so beloved is because of all the different things that, like, being an alien, basically. And it's not just me saying this. This is this is from what I've learned from um, reading books and listening to documentaries on the creators of Doctor Who, the reason why they made the Doctor have two hearts and why they eventually made, instead of, they changed the Doctor from being a human from the far, far future, um, and they turned the Doctor into a, into an alien from Gallifrey, um, was to, to make the uh, character a lot more sort of... Um, empathetic uh, and more, a lot more so you, i'm going to use the word human but a lot more sort of um oh there was a word i was going to use but i've lost it but basically to make the, the character a lot more sort of um i don't know different and a lot more strange and wonderful and everything that we we love about the doctor um so i didn't like that they changed that but again it's okay for the film I'm sure that they retconned it and fixed it in in a big Finnish audio. And when we do see Paul McGann again, when he changes into the War Doctor, I'm sure they all sort of changed that as well. So that's completely fine. So I'm sure it's somewhere it's been retconned and fixed somewhere in in, in the in the universe of Big Finish. I am absolutely sure. Uh, also, moving on, you have the, <laughs> you have the end battle, which I coined a Clockwork Orange because it you have the final battle. 
uh, between the master and uh, the doctor. And the master basically puts him in like this clockwork orange sort of device where he has clamps on his eyes to keep his eyes open. He's got this like plate on his chest to kind of make sure he he has like his arms back so he can't move. And um, it's just funny. I looked at what that just feels like incredibly clockwork orange. Uh, <laughs> we had the clockwork orange um, ending, uh, which again was quite fun. A great battle between um, the Doctor and the Master around the Eye of Harmony. Again, this whole thing of the Eye of Harmony. I don't remember it ever being mentioned before anywhere else. I don't think it has been mentioned anywhere else. I think it was it's only really been mentioned in this movie. But apparently the, the TARDIS has an eye and that only a human can open it. Um, and that, um, yeah, it's quite strange, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I, I love over it you know, for the film. Like, it's silly. It's weird. I've never heard about it before. But you know what? The TARDIS is is infinite like it is huge you can get lost in uh the tardis it's that big it has multiple rooms and it has so many different compartments and the only person who really knows the way around the tardis i would say is the doctor but then again i'm sure the doctor's probably been lost in his own tardis before um i think i'm sure there's actually stories on the doctor actually getting lost in his tardis before um but yeah so yeah why not why not have an eye a, a giant eye of harmony in the TARDIS, why not? It's it's fun. It's interesting. It's different. It's Doctor Who at the end of the day. Um, but my overall thoughts and feelings on the movie is I loved it. I really, really did. I, I it was an absolute joy. Again, we were robbed of Paul McGann. We were robbed of him as the Doctor. Um, I've been campaigning ever since I heard Paul McGann on, in Big Finish. I've been campaigning that um, we need like. Kind of like know what they did with like Torchwood and the Sarah Jane Adventures. We need uh, like a series that is just focused on the Paul McGann years. Um, maybe take stories from Big Finish uh, or maybe do brand new stories. I don't know. But I feel like now that Russell T. Davis is back, I hope and I wish. I don't know this for sure because uh, as of recording this, it hasn't been announced. Maybe by the time this is out, Russell T. Davis has announced it. I don't know. Um, but I would love... A series, it's just Paul McGann. The Paul McGann, like, but the way I would do it is I would do it simply have series one, series two, just have Paul McGann go on adventures, right, with a companion. In the background, have like kind of like Bad Wolf, have subtle hints to the beginnings of the Time War, and that his Doctor is is. You know, he knows something's coming, but he's trying to ignore it because he doesn't want to believe that it's real. Um, so he goes off on adventures, but he, he, as the seasons go on, maybe we'll do two ser- series of it. Um, he can't sort of um, de- deny it anymore. Like the time war is coming, it's happening. And then series three, or even series two, if you want to do it all in one series, um, series two or three is where, you know, we ha- we see Paul McGann at the beginning of the time war we get to see the time war take place his him trying to fight the time war and then eventually that leads up to sort of where we see him um during the sort where he goes to see the witches and he sort of forcefully regenerates into the war doctor that's what i would love to see you know i'd love to see that maybe like two three series series um but i think it just it'd be great because there's such a, a dark area between sort of what happened between Paul McGann and then Chris Eccleston. Now we know that Paul McGann um, regenerated into the War Doctor, then the War Doctor regenerated into um, Chris Eccleston's Doctor, and then the 
the revival series takes place. But we don't know what happened during leading up to that. You know, so yeah, I think it'd be fun. Like I said, Paul McGann, he's still young. He, I think he could do it. He, I think he could do it perfectly. Um, and even if it's just one series and you just do one big series leading up to him changing or two series or what, but I would just love to see that build up and then see Paul McGann join the time war, realizing that him as the doctor, the version of the doctor that he is, he's way out of his depth and that he can't do it. He needs to change. And then it's him fighting with himself being like, I'm trying to fight this war. I'm trying to save as many people as I can, but I'm not the man I need to be. Um, to fight this war and then finally come to that realization of like if i don't change more people are going to die so then we get sort of that scene when we see the doctor drink the cordial and um turn into the war doctor i think that would be a perfect send-off um for paul mcgann you know what we always wanted for paul mcgann but also i think that just ties the classic series in with the new one and that fills in that gap so instead of because you know I love Big Finish, I do, but Big Finish is very, very expensive. And the average fan either doesn't know about Big Finish or can't afford Big Finish. You know, so being able to have a way to see Paul McGann's adventures on the screen uh, would be a great idea. And, I, and again, I, I believe because Russell T. Davis is a fan, I feel like that is a possibility. I don't know if it ever will happen, but it's what I would love to see. Or if I was Russell T. Davis, that would be one of the reasons I come back to Doctor Who. Because Russell T. Davis said himself, he had about three or four reasons. Um, if he was come back to Doctor Who, th- these things had to happen. And for me, one of those reasons would be, I want Paul McGann back and I want to do a, a mini-series uh, wrapping up Paul McGann's Doctor properly. Properly showing off his Doctor, have him have a few adventure- adventures, see him join the time war and then wrap him up nicely and i feel like that would be a, i feel like paul mcgann deserves it his doctor deserves it us as fans deserve it and it, it ties everything up all really really nicely so that we have no we have no gaps we have no gray areas everything is, is fluid you could watch from the 60s all the way up to the tv movie then watch the small series then uh you know watch the revival and then from there you know what i mean so i feel like that would be perfect you know generally sadly now you know uh, john hurt he passed away a couple years ago so we can't have the war doctor stories but even so you know big finish fixes those and there is a novel out so if you are a fan you can go out and find those but at least do paul mcgann a bit of justice but that's my two cents that's my ted talk on that one um but yeah, overall, love this movie. Absolutely enjoyed it. It was it was a fantastic uh, film. I'm glad it didn't succeed, but I'm glad that we have it all the same. So, um, on to the trivia round. So I've got a bit of trivia for anybody who's still here. If you are still here, thank you. So, bit of trivia that I have is, when the Doctor rifles through a locker looking for clothes, we see him momentarily admiring a long scarf. Uh which is a reference to the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, who wore a long scarf in his regular costume. Uh, The UK television broadcast ended with a dedication to John Pertwee and uh, the third actor to play the Doctor in Doctor Who, uh, one of the most popular. Um, He he sadly died a week earlier um, when the film, when the, show was um broadcast when the tv movie was broadcast on british tv he passed away a week earlier so they sort of dedicated it to him which i think is really really lovely um 
For 21 of the 26 seasons of Doctor Who, the key used for the TARDIS was a simple Yale lock key and was used in the normal way. The unique key used in this film was devised by John Pertwee and was used for his last three years in Doctor Who and was also used by Tom Baker's Doctor for the first two seasons and for the first time viewers are shown exactly how this version of the key works. For anybody who doesn't know, um, I think the currently the Doctor uses a, a Yale key and for the longest time the Doctor used a, a Yale key. Um, but John Pertwee's Doctor, he used... A uh, best way to explain it, it looks like a shield um, with Gallifreyan uh, writing um, on either side. And we never actually got to see how this key worked, but in this movie we finally get to see how it works. And I'm not going to spoil it. It's not anything big or huge, but if you're a fan and you don't know, it's kind of one of those moments of like, ah, I like that. It's, 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 it's a little nod, little nice little reference uh, for fans. So I won't spoil it, but, you know, it, it's... Um, it's a lot of it. It's quite interesting. It's a lot of fun. Uh, last bit of trivia that I have. Uh, the BBC originally wanted Tom Baker, who played the fourth Doctor in Doctor Who, to be the Doctor at the opening of the film, as this version of the Doctor is the one most popular to American audiences. Uh, the American executive producer, Philip David Siegel, insisted on Sylvester McCoy, as he was an avid Doctor Who fan and felt that the seventh Doctor still deserved a proper send-off. But... BBC One controller Alan Yentob and executive producer Joe Wright were very resistant to the return of Sylvester McCoy, as they associate him with the decline in popularity and eventual cancellation of the original series. Wright eventually said that McCoy could appear as long as he was, and I quote, in it for a very short time and didn't say anything. This was revealed on a documentary made about the film. Now, this bit of trivia, when I sort of discovered it, I I was shocked. But at the same stage is the fact of I think it's a bit unfair. Because I don't believe that Sylvester McCoy... I don't think any of the Doctors are the reason for the show um, dropping in um, popularity. I think generally because it had been going for so long that a lot of people have grown up with it. And, and some, you know, some of the younger fans who now grew up to adults, some maybe stayed with it. But, you know, probably didn't. They probably went out and said, oh, that's not my doctor. That doesn't feel like my doctor anymore. We all do it. I did it for a long time. I grew up with sort of Chris Eccleston and David Tennant and then Matt Smith. And because he wasn't David Tennant, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch a lot of Matt Smith's run when he was on TV. It wasn't until I think to his second to last season, I got I got I saw a few episodes. And I really liked what they were doing that I went back and I checked out. Um, Matt Smith and I was surprised he was absolutely fantastic um, but it happens I, I've known a lot of people who again have watched sort of Doctor Who and jumped off and jumped back on with certain Doctors because it's not the Doctor they grew up with or it's not the Doctor that they want they enjoyed or like or X, Y and Z you know so I don't blame Professor McCoy I don't blame any of the Doctors why the show didn't do very well I think genuinely it's just the fact that people grow up some stay fans some don't some move on to other shows and because it went on for so long literally from the 60s to the 80s you know a lot of people probably just was like wanting to move on um so I, I don't I don't blame it on Professor McCoy and I don't I, don't, I think it was kind of unfair that they didn't want to bring him back. And in this movie, I did wonder when I first watched it as to uh, why um, Sylvester McCoy didn't talk much. He says like a few a few lines. I'm literally like 
on a sheet of paper, you could get his first few lines at the very top. You wouldn't even fill the whole page. That's how many lines he has. Um, he's more just there as, as sort of like the Doctor, but he doesn't actually say anything. And actually, in when you look at the cast, he is just referenced as the the old Doctor. You know what I mean? Not the seventh Doctor or anything like that. He's literally done as the old Doctor. But Sylvester McCoy does a, a pretty good job. But again, I can understand as well why they wanted Tom Baker back. Because again, if he is the most popular uh, version of the Doctor that the American audience knows, which again, for an American audience, then that makes sense. And even me as a Doctor Who fan, yeah, I would have liked to see Tom Baker in this. But I respect and I completely agree with the American executive producer, Philip David Siegel, when he said that um, Sister McCoy's Doctor deserved a proper send-off. And he did. Because the last episode of Sister McCoy is him and um, him and Ace going off into the sunset, really. And that was the last ever episode. And we never got a proper ending or anything like that. It was just them walking off, uh, the Doctor giving Ace a bit of a speech. And that's it. Really, so again, I feel like Sylvester McCoy deserved a proper send off. Does he deserve to be gunned down and shot? No, but that's how they decided to 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 usher him off. Um, literally, he was gunned down in an alleyway. That's kind of how the movie begins, and that's how we get Paul McGann. That I think was a bit unfair. Probably was a bit cruel, uh, but we do get a final sort of send off to his character. So at least we get that. But yeah, that bit of trivia was what surprised me the most when I was doing my looking for bits of trivia was like oh my god I can't believe I can't believe that but I'm I'm again I'm glad that they did with Sylvester McCoy even though I love Tom Baker I do believe that McCoy deserved a proper send-off now um you're probably wondering because again it, it when you'll be hearing this it'll be Christmas and you're wondering what I'm going to do um next uh, for season three well um I think I'm going because there are a few more sort of Doctor Who movies. Um, there's an animated one. There's an animated movie, um, which I didn't write the name down because I'm an idiot in my notes of what that's called. But there's an animated movie that came out in the beginning of the early um, 2000s, which was kind of meant to be sort of the the line of call conclu- like um, continuation after Paul McGann, um, but. I can't remember the name of that one because I didn't write it down because I'm an idiot. But I was going to look at that one. Uh, I think it's only one long sort of animated movie. We'll look at that one. Also, from a couple of years ago, we have sort of a dramatization of the early years of Doctor Who um, with the story revolving around the BBC um, executive Sidney Newman, um, novice producer, uh, Verity Lambert and actor William Hartnell called An Adventure in Space and Time from 2013. Uh, it's a TV movie, basically showing um, how Doctor Who sort of began, really, um, which I'm really looking forward to. It's like a biopic sort of um, film that I would like to cover. Also, we have sort of the Red Nose Day comedy spoof, Doctor Who, The Curse of Fatal Death, uh, which I love. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube in full. I highly recommend going to watch it. Um, it, it it's full of, like, it, it plays fun with the idea of, of what Doctor Who is and what Doctor Who can be. Um, and I just, I love that. Richard E. Grant's in it. You've got Rowan Atkinson. You've got uh, John Broadbent, Hugh Grant, Joanna Lumley. Um, you've got Jonathan uh, Pius as the master. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, you a lot of jokes. Like, I'll tell you later. 
<laughs> which again is is a joke around Doctor Who and all that. Honestly, I'm not doing any 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 um, literature good at all. This is one you've got to experience for yourself. Like I said, it's on. Um, on YouTube, but these are the few things that I want to look at. Um, I'll probably do uh, the Curse of Fatal Death near Red Ned, uh, Ned Red Nose Day here in the UK, um, because again, it's a Red Nose Day um, special, so I'll probably do that closer to then. But yeah, there are a few sort of Doctor Who sort of films ish that I can still look at, as well as other Doctor Who things that I'll be looking at. Um, of course, I'm still reading through the um, David Tennant Tenth uh, Doctor and Rose books. I'm still reading through them, so I've got to finish those off. Um, I've got um, more than likely I'm going to be covering the sort of new series with Shutigawa, which again, as recording this, I haven't seen um, any of the specials yet, which came out in November because I'm currently recording this on the 5th of November. So I haven't seen them, but I will obviously be covering anything to do with Shutigawa and his run as the Doctor. And uh, yeah, so I've and I want to look at the classics as well. Like I, I haven't seen the Hartnell era of of Doctor Who. I've I've never seen it. I've never you know, most of the black and white episodes they're either lost or hard to find. So now I have an opportunity to go back and watch the first ever series of Doctor Who. You know, so that'd be fun. So there's a lot Doctor Who ish that are coming from me um, in the future, as well as I want to look at Torchwood and I want to look at Sarah Jane. Uh, and, and all that jazz and maybe even take a, a deep dive into the world of a big finish which I already am but like in terms of like talking about it and reviewing it and that sort of thing so there's a lot to jump into and, and jump around and I'm quite excited but that that's that's your luck really for that's the last bit of Doctor Who stuff you'll get from me from this year. From 2022, I mean 2023, sorry, I'm, I'm in the past. I need to come back to the future, the present, 2023. Uh, that is the last bit of Doctor Who stuff you'll get from me this year. But rest assured, season three, I'm going to be covering Doctor Who like crazy. Um, Doctor Who is back. Doctor Who is great. Doctor Who is wonderful. And I'm so excited for it. I'm so happy. And I just can't wait to see what Shooty does. And I can't wait to see what Russell T. Davis does. And yeah, um, it's a great time to be a Doctor Who fan. Really, really is. So look forward to seeing more stuff from me in the future. Uh, I'm going to keep talking about Doctor Who. So that has been your lot. Thank you very, very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I, <laughs> I know I did. And uh, I will catch you. Uh, in the next one. So, you have been listening to the Nerd Saturday Podcast. I've been your host, Luke the Human. Thank you very, 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 very much for listening. And, as always, bye bye